Hello, everybody, on a Saturday Night Live quest. How's everybody doing this weekend? Hope everybody's doing a good time. Getting the spring fever here. We'll have to wait. There's always a little delay. So we have to talk a little slow. Hello, Neil. Caroline. Linda. The gang is coming in. Here we go. Hello, Gloria. Hello, professors in the house. I want to thank everybody for coming in tonight. We have a great guest for the show tonight. You'll see him in a couple of minutes. As everybody climbs aboard the quest train. Of course, I got to do my welcomes and my thank yous to my YouTube supporters, my knights, my captains, my marshals, my Sanchels, and the people in live chat that throw me some super chats and some stickers. I thank you so very much. If you enjoy the content, you enjoy the show, please hit that like button. Please hit that red subscribe button on the YouTube side. It helps us out a lot to grow. I want to thank everybody that supports me. Just fantastic. Hello, David. Hello, all acorns out there. You guys are just the best. Just the best. And that's why we bring you shows like this here. Again, throughout season nine. Hello, Sand Dollar. Um, if anything inspired you in season nine or from season one that you had to draw something from Oak Island or something inspired you, please send it to the Quest of Oak Island Facebook page. We'll put it in our image folder and send it out for the world to see. A little Starlene Sand Dollar. Here they come. Also, I want to thank my moderators, Tammy, Judy, Michelle, Daniel, Starlene, and Kathy. There will be no... Uh, phone in calls uh, tonight with Scott. He'll be back, I hope, for another show. This way he can take all kinds of calls and won't be limited to any kind of answers since he is on the show this week. I want to thank my Facebook group. This is the main group, Quest of Oak Island. I want to thank my YouTube group. Thank you so much. And now live on Twitter, we're getting about 40 video views which is fantastic for me i also want to thank the people on anchor host on the audio side that listens to us on a daily basis all righty so i hope everybody's good tonight i hope you got all your mason questions because we have a 32 degree mason ready to come aboard here Good evening, Robert. Good evening, Joe. <clears throat> Scott has an interesting theory regarding the garnet piece that was found on Lot 8 that was detailed on Season 5, Episode 16. Also, the breastplate was used in specific Masonic rituals was meant to mimic the breastplate 
of judgment. Very, very interesting. He also has his theory of maybe some silver disappeared and ended up on Oak Island, which he can talk about because it was already said and done on the curse of Oak Island. Hello, BC. Hello, Cindy. So without a further ado, please give Scott Clark a warm quest welcome. Here he is, Scott Clark. How you doing, John? Hello, Scott. Thank you so, so much for doing this with me tonight. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Good evening, everyone. Now, can you see the Facebook and YouTube chat side, Scott? Actually, I can't see any comments at the moment. Okay. Everybody's saying hello. I can see them popping up, yeah. Hey, those Daniel, are, Linda. Yep, yeah. those, those are the ones I'm popping up, but you don't see the line on the side of Streammate with everybody rolling. Uh, actually, you know what? Let me, let me click on it here. Oh, here we go. Yep, now we do. Now we do. There we go. Now we're cooking, Scott. Okay. And this some on Facebook. That's Kathy asking them questions. Sydney, good evening. Because some people don't come over to StreamYard. They're just on Facebook, but they don't show on StreamYard, even though they see us, you know. Right, right. And they don't have a profile picture, so I don't know who they are until I look back to the Facebook site. More okay, technology, yeah. Scott. More technology. That's right. All right. Usually how we start off is, you know, how you got involved uh, with the show. And the members always like to know how you got intertwined with Rick and Marty. And we'll start from there, Scott. Thank you so much, Scott. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, my, my involvement with Oak Island goes back a long time. I... I... I first heard about it in uh, 1993, actually, from a, a Toronto newspaper. And um, I, uh, um, around 2005, I, I joined the Oak Island Treasure uh, original group, which was the very first uh, online group. Where a lot of the, a lot of the uh, like like Petter Amundsen and Joy Steele and and Darcy O'Connor and and um, you know all these all these guys were all part of that group. And that was uh, before Facebook, actually. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so I ended up, you know, um, visiting Oak Island at the, uh, in the early days, uh, did a number of uh, tours and got to actually meet Rick and Marty in 2006. Mm -hmm. So uh, way back before the show started, I, I met them and uh, I'll be able to show you guys some photos uh, a bit later on. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I started, started developing my, my main theory uh, with Phipps and Belcher way back as early as 2005. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. So um, even way back then, 2005, 2006, I was actually uh, starting to write a book with with uh, author Mark Finnan. Uh, Mark Finnan has wrote, written um, Oak Island Secrets. It's one of the most Masonic-related uh, Oak Island books. And uh, he's also got the Sinclair Saga and the first Nova Scotian, um, William Alexander. Um, yeah, so from there, uh, I, I, you know, kept uh, doing research on and off. I sort of got mm -hmm. in and out of Oak Island over the years and um, visited. I've been there, I think, at, uh, at least six different years now. Um, back in, 
I guess it was 2016, 17. Mm -hmm. I submitted my initial uh, theory uh, to some of the guys and, and they, they loved it. And I was actually told back then uh, you'll probably be asked to be on the show. Mm -hmm. And um, unfortunately it just didn't go anywhere. I just, uh, you know, they, they sort of have their agenda that they kind of sort of follow in the season. And uh, I guess my research at that time wasn't part of it. So it kind of died okay. out. Yeah. And uh, a couple of years later, I, I, I found more information. I, I, I developed my, my theories further. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I was actually asked to go there in 2019. And I, uh, I did some filming with Paul Troutman and uh, Charles Barkhouse okay. uh, at an offsite location and um, hoped then I would be on the show. But I, again, I wasn't. <laughs> okay. So and you got to have to be persistent. I, that's one thing I found. Uh, uh, but I also I also found better information as right. I went on. And then um, more, much more recently, I found that La Plata map, which I thought was amazing, which yeah, was very amazing. Yep. It, it literally shows that, that uh, Herman Mole, the, the, the creator of the map, as early as 1701, tied the uh, the Concepcion shipwreck with the Mahone Bay area, and and I um, so that that yeah that when I finally got that in and everything else, uh, my research uh, ended up going to Rick Lagina this this uh, right. 2021. Uh, Rick loved it. He uh, I actually sent two different theories, and they asked me to present both of them in the in the war room. But uh, so uh, I believe I was the first. Um, researcher to present two different theories on two completely different treasures based right. on research that I, that I'd, uh, uncovered. Um, so that, yeah, so that I, they asked me to come down. I, uh, I was there back in September of last year, mm -hmm. uh, spent, uh, I guess it was about three days filming in total mm -hmm. on the Island. It was amazing. Um, you know, great experience. Uh, always talking to the guys, right. Um, you know, joking around with, with Jack and, 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 uh, Scott Barlow and then people that I've known over the years. Yep. Did you uh, talk to David at all? Uh, David the, Blankenship? Not not that recently. I I, I, okay. I met him years ago and I attended right. a barbecue at his house. Right. We got pictures. Well. Yep. Yeah. We got pictures, guys, to show you after we get done. So I, I very very briefly saw David. Uh, we were we were in the car, a few of us, and David uh -huh. came onto the came across the causeway, and we just sort of said hi and. Mm -hmm. And I know David's wife, Garnett, as well. Garnett was part of the original Oak Island Treasure Group way back in yep. uh, yep. 2005. So. Guys, he's got these pictures to show us from way back when. You just <laughs> won't believe what you're seeing, but uh, we got them here. So if you got some questions for uh, Scott uh, from the War Room, send them through and we'll answer them the best he can. And Scott, when did you first sort of get this? Like me, the first thing I knew about Oak Island was the TV show. I mean, I didn't look at a Reader's Digest. I didn't, you know, I, I used to watch the New York Yankees, and that was a, and that was about it. I'm not yeah. a big TV guy. And then I see this, you know, this Oak Island treasure. I mean, actually, in this modern times, they're still looking for tre not the treasures like with Mel Fisher and off the Caribbean and the boat treasures. Actually, a treasure on the island still exists. So that's how I got into it by just watching on the TV. Now, how did you first even get your first taste of Oak Island? How old were you? Yep. So my first taste, uh, I mentioned uh, 1993. So the Toronto Star. Okay. Uh, the, the newspaper article. Newspaper article was my first one that I can. I, I, I around the same time, I remember seeing uh, um, the episode of In Search of, where yeah, Leonard yeah, Moy, yeah, Leonard yeah. is the host, and and. Yep. Uh, Darcy O'Connor was on that episode, and, and I've gotten to know Darcy quite well years later. But, 
I remember seeing that around, you know, somewhere in that mid nineties timeframe. Okay. Um, I went out right away. I, I read this article. I thought this is amazing. Like we actually have this in Canada. This is, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, they're talking yeah. about the Holy grail and different things that could be there. And right. so I went out and I bought, um, Bill Crooker's book, Oak Island gold it was the first book I bought. And, right. uh, and I, I read that book early on, and then it wasn't until much later, after I had learned a lot of information uh, through genealogy research, that I found out that I'm actually re related to a number of the earliest treasure hunters. Wow! Wow! So that really fueled my fueled my interest to, to yep. keep pursuing. In, uh, in talking about books, Clark, uh, you got a couple behind you, don't you? <laughs> a couple, yeah, yeah. Some of you guys can see. Uh, let's see there. Yep. So pretty much. Those two shelves are all Oak Island. So I currently, I currently have about 90 Oak Island books uh, that are either specifically about Oak Island or, or they have a chapter about Oak Island. Uh -huh. um, I've been putting together a bibliography um, of actually close to 200 books wow. that have been written over the years about Oak Island. So um, it's been a popular subject. It's been a, you know, a real true, you know, world-class mystery for, for a long time. And uh, yeah. So yeah, and a, lot, and so, a lot of the books are a lot of the books are Freemasonry, Rosicrucian, Templars, you know, novels, different things like that. So, yeah. And some things that I've seen, you know, I'm just a fan of the show. I'm not a deep historian like I've told you. Yeah. But a lot of the researchers that I've met and seen. Some of their theories and some of their ideas. Over the years. Obviously. Evolve with new research, new technology that either changes their research around or tries to threaten it somewhere because everybody's theory so far is all valid. We haven't found anything. So everybody's uh, theory is valid. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly theories evolve. Um, I I've sort of had this, this link between Freemasonry and Oak Island ever since the beginning. And I've, I've, I've not wavered from that for, based on everything I've discovered. Um, I'm, I'm convinced that, that there is a link between, you know, Royal Arch, mm -hmm. uh, certain rituals and the island and, and uh, you know, going back to the earliest landowners. Um, uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff I presented in the war room, which you guys haven't seen yet, which I was hoping would be shown this year. Um, Still not quite sure. I know we're sort right. of winding down the last few weeks here, but uh, yep. um, keep your fingers crossed. You might see something coming up still. Um, yep. And and of course, um, uh, you haven't mentioned, but I'm actually I'm working on a book now. Finally, uh, when I was at the uh, Oak Island last year, I was talking to one of the producers and and uh, had mentioned about how I was, I was writing a book, you know, many years ago. And then and she was like, "Wow, well, you you certainly have enough material now to to right. easily write a book." And and she said, based on your your history, and she knew a bit about my my background, and uh, so that that the book is pretty much uh, a done deal. It's it's like ninety five percent written. I, I have a a publisher in Halifax, and okay. um, so the book will be coming out probably not until early next year. Okay, well you'll have but, to come um, back and uh, do your book up here on the site, though, Scott. Yeah, but but I'm saying any anything that I, doesn't get shown on the show, it's all going to be very detailed in the book. Beautiful, um, beautiful. Both both my theories and and plus the other the, the third theory with the uh, with the Garnet, and, right. and and a lot of a lot of background history and a lot of other uh, Masonic information that hasn't come out yet. Right. We got uh, Daniel Spino's got a question for you. Can you explain your history and involvement with Freemasonry? 
Is it generational in your family? Thank you, uh, Daniel, and thank you, Scott. Yep. Hey, Daniel. So, um, so my involvement with Freemasonry. Uh, so, so part of my part of my overall story, I guess, just to go back quickly, is is I yeah. was actually I was actually adopted as a baby, and and uh, later in life, I found my birth mother, and um, her mother had written this extensive genealogy, which is where I tie into the the Archibalds and the Lynns of, of, of Truro, Nova Scotia and the, and the, the Onslow company and the Truro company. Mm-hmm. And, um, I actually, uh, a number of years later found my birth father directly because of Oak Island and Freemasonry. Oh, a my very, a very interesting, yeah. A very interesting connection that I write about in the book. And, okay. uh, um, so, uh, so I found my birth father because of Oak Island and Freemasonry, and I found out right away that he was a 32nd degree Freemason from Edinburgh, Scotland. Mm-hmm. And his father is uh, uh, a Mason, having been made in, in Edinburgh, Scotland, uh, who I who I met you know years ago and, and mm-hmm. has since passed away. Um, and and uh, later also found out that even my adoptive grandfather, who I didn't really know. Who died when I was young? He was a Freemason. So okay. Um, and then I've got my my three times great grandfather in Nova Scotia um, was a member of St Andrew's Lodge Number One, the oldest Masonic lodge in all of Canada. Wow. Uh, he was a Methodist minister. He was the uh, he was the uh, the priest in the lodge, mm-hmm. and he also was the publisher of uh, the history of the County of Lunenburg, Second Edition, eighteen ninety five which was the most detailed account of the Oak Island mystery at that time. Wow. So that's a cool connection with uh, my three times great grandfather. So that's, uh, so that's, unbelievable. that's unbelievable. Fantastic. Uh, and I, I have his book right up here on the shelf. 1895 uh, first edition. Oh my Lordy 40. That is unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, so yeah. So I had a long, a long time. I became a, a Mason in uh, 2008. Mm-hmm. after after many years of reading about it and researching and and uh you know there's there's so much uh crap online there's 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 you know a mixture of truth and and conjecture and and you don't really know until you become a mason um um i i can definitely say a lot of the negative stuff you hear about it's not it's not true it's not mm-hmm. <laughs> you know i know i know people probably say oh he's just saying that because he's a mason but i you know 100 percent um you know, and, and I don't think your family would let you join. Like your family wouldn't encourage you to join something negative. If you're right. like my father, my grandfather, my three times great grandfather, mm-hmm. they were all Masons and, and, and they were all proud Masons. Like, you know, like Charles, Charles Barkhouse on the show was always showing off his, his Masonic hat and, and talking, uh, you know, in, in Nova Scotia. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's, that's the long answer there, Daniel. <laughs> but that's uh, a solid answer, Scott. It's a solid Mason period you know what i mean (laughs) unbelievable Uh, did you uh did they give you a little tour of the whole island while you were there or were you just in and out no no i was uh so i back in the day when i used to go there back in 2005 six seven um i actually did a number of tours right and and the tour guide back then his name was uh, danny henniger um actually asked me if I wanted to be a tour guide. Like I actually knew so much about the <laughs> island at that time okay. that he said to me, Scott, do you want to leave one of these tours? And I was like, eh. yeah. <laughs> I was a bit hesitant back then, but, um, uh, and then I guess uh, Charles Barkhouse ended up taking over years later from, from Danny and, and Lisa Moore, right. I believe. Yeah. Um, 
so so I, I know the island quite well. And then when I was there again this this year, uh, both Scott Barlow and Jack Bagley took me for private tours. Right now, uh, how big of was. a how big of a change when you saw the island now in 2022 or 21 last season? I don't know. What yeah. was the biggest thing you saw as far as a change for what you were used to seeing? I mean, the, the two biggest things really are when you first drive on the island, um, you know, it used to be a Oak Island Tours shack. Okay. <laughs> and, and then there's the canteen. The canteen is actually still there. It's uh, it's off to the right behind yeah. a big tree. Yeah. Um, but that's all now, uh, you know, um, Prometheus buildings mm -hmm. and the research mm -hmm. center and and the uh, interpretive center. Okay. All right. Uh, so that, that and the actual money pit area itself, which I'll show you guys a, a photo of it later on that... Uh, huge change there that was just a, a grassy hole in the ground you know mm -hmm. 15 years ago and, and now it's this massive uh platform right for the drilling rigs to to uh make sure the ground is is firmed up enough for the for the weight unbelievable so, unbelievable but other than what? that yeah the, the island hasn't you know changed that much unbelievable unbelievable all these yeah. drilling all these shafts um when you have your theory on the silver, um, thinking a part of it is on Oak Island. Now, when you say is on Oak Island, I mean, we don't know where it is, but it sort of supports some of the theories that Dr. Spooner says there's a silver signature right. that's high enough to show a dump load looking silver or a war room full of silver. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, Doug mentioned a Gerhard dump truck load of silver. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, what did you um, think? What did you think when he said about that volume? To your theory, I'm just saying, you know, the volume towards your theory. What well, went yeah, off I mean, in it, your what, what went off in your head? Of course, I thought that was amazing. That 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 totally would would, uh, you know, not necessarily verify, but but that definitely supports my theory a lot. Um, yeah. So I actually presented four fairly significant pieces of information of, of um, um, circumstantial evidence uh, that all strongly supports the idea of silver on Oak Island from the Concepcion. Mm -hmm. And the show, the show only showed two of those. They only mm -hmm. showed the letter, the 1688 letter, and they showed the 1701 map. Right. And I, I can't mention the other two, but the other two right. make it that much stronger that, that like it literally ties directly to the island. Okay. And and I was I was told afterwards by a couple of the guys on the show that like this is literally the best, most fully developed theory we've ever seen in terms of, you know, you you checked off all the checks pretty much, right? And and so it's not it's not a guarantee, but it's, right. it's a lot of circumstantial uh, support. Right. It backs up what you say. And then when you see, and then when of course they found that the traces of silver in the in the uh, C one, I think it was the shaft, uh, or nearby, then then of course that that's a huge thing um that that you know show silver again so my, my you know the map the map doesn't say the silver is on oak island the map shows it to be somewhere in the mahone bay area right. and 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 the letter shows that uh belcher was involved with phipps with some suspicious activity with pirates mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who went directly to port labert which is port labert uh l apostrophe h e b r t uh which is not far from oak island which uh, at the time oak island didn't exist Right. There was no name, so that would have been would have been one of the closest places to sort of say they were going that way without saying specifically where. All right, you want to bring up those so, pictures uh, you have about the uh, the map and the silver? 
Um, I can. Uh, I won't bring it up until I see the. I mean, they're they're kind of towards the end of my 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 slides that I have. Do you want to see that right now, or can I maybe go into it and talk talk yeah, as I, I get there? I think we'll get into the slides now. What do you think? Because we're going in and out, bouncing around, talking. You know, in the past, in the future, we're all over the place. If you mind, it's up to you, Scott. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just noticing a comment about from Daniel as well. I'm not sure how old that is there, but he's asking about the, uh, yeah, the link between Freemasonry and Oak Island. So that that to me is the very obvious thing is is the the money pit, the uh, the imagery of the um, you know layers every ten feet down to down to ninety feet. Um, it's as as we've seen on on uh, the show before. Uh, it ties in very well with the Scottish Rite 13th degree, the Royal Royal Arch of Enoch or Royal Arch of Solomon. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it, it also is similar to uh, in the York Rite of Freemasonry, the Select Master degree. So two different. So within Freemasonry, there's the Entered Apprentice, the Fellow Craft and the Master Mason. There's only three degrees within main Freemasonry. And then you become a Master Mason. And then you have the option, if you want, you can go into Scottish Rite which is a whole side uh, body. And then there's also the York Rite, which leads up to the Masonic Knights Templars. And uh, so so at, currently I'm, I'm a 32nd degree Scottish Rite. I've gone through all of those. I do want to go through the, the York Rite as well and, and, and uh, do all that eventually. Um, but uh, yeah, so that, that's the number one thing. That's, that's the reason I think Masons have been, been drawn to Oak Island is because of that, that knowledge of the imagery being so similar to the, the Masonic ritual. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, we, we know that a number of searchers have been Freemasons, but I can also show that quite a few of the very first Oak Island lot owners were Freemasons, like, like quite a few more than people realize. And uh, I've got some really interesting connections to New York and to different things, um, which I hope will, will, will eventually come out. So. <laughs> Let me see here. Daniel's coming up with a couple again. With the money pit being fashioned as a copy of an fault, do you think who do you think is responsible for its construction? So that I can't really talk about because that is part of my theory okay. that I presented that that wasn't shown. So um, right. no problem. Um, I can say that I've done a lot of research into the history of of. Like I've read the three books of Enoch and, and mm -hmm. there's no nine arch vault in there. Um, but there's something similar that, that alludes to it. And I think that sort of evolved. There, there's been a combination of things that evolved from, from the, the Temple of Solomon. Uh, they definitely found, uh, years later, they found a vault under the Temple of Solomon. It also wasn't nine arches. Um, but I, in my research, I explain where that, those nine arches come from. And, and, um, you know, again, that, that became part of Masonic teaching from a very early time. So, um, and obviously we don't know what's, what treasure is there, if any. So people that are asking if there's something in the pit, we have no idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Solomon's ring, uh, that, yeah. that's, something else, <laughs> that's something else I wrote about in a different theory about, uh involving uh, uh, the, the, the association of um, King Solomon's ring commanding demons. And, and there's mm -hmm. a whole association with with legends of, you know, and then, of course, the curse, you know, the, the curse of the island and mm -hmm. 
all of that. So that that's the stuff's all interesting. But yeah, I have no idea if that uh, may or may not be there. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. All right. Uh, yep. Going to bring that up. Just give yep. me a second here. Ready. Just. Uh... Ray D says Francis Bacon's body. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. I hope so, but who knows? <laughs> yeah. And I talked quite a bit about Francis Bacon as well. He, uh, he definitely was very likely uh, involved in, in very early Freemasonry Rosicrucian yep. Yep. development. I always, I always thought it was a tomb, Clark, when I first, Clark, uh, Scott, because <laughs> I thought it was a, a burial spot, a, a tomb of some what. I thought maybe the treasure was taken or was a depository, and then they took it and took it in and out or whatever, like a bank. So then they sort of convinced me, well, if it's not there anymore, I think it's just a tomb. So that was going through Johnny's brain, but it does this morning. There is one so. theory out there that, yeah, one of my friends, uh, Andrew Goff, years ago talked about. I can't remember the, the specific details, but right. he, he, someone on his group suggested it was a, it was a tomb. Um, of course, they, they found a couple of bones, you know, in the money pit, I think, at one time uh, that they uh, haven't really gone back to that in, in quite a while. But yeah, in H8, yeah, European something. Yeah, yeah. Two little I mean, bones. And we know that at least, you know, a few people, at least one body was never recovered. Right. I believe the very first, you know, person that passed away. Uh, and I've tried to find that person's name as well. I've been very close to finding it, but uh, not quite yet. You know what? Okay. I, I want to, I just, just come to my mind, Scott. Yep. When, when I had Joan McGinnis on, she was my first show guest. Now, I don't know if this is true or not. It just came into my mind now that she has no idea where Daniel McGinnis is buried. Oh, okay. So that just hit my mind now, and I'm writing a note because I was always interested in why is his burial site not a not a public site, but how does the family not know where he is buried at? You know what I mean? And that was like a head-scratcher, and I just thought of that because of what we're talking about now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not even sure either. I, I, he's not one that I really focused a lot on over the right. years. Um, I have more ties to the Vaughn side of things, and uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I, I wonder if uh, Kel Kel Hancock might know. He's also a descendant. Uh, if know. you know Kel, he's he's been on the show before. He's a Freemason in Nova Scotia. Now, who had the 90 foot stone in their fireplace? Uh, Joan said they did. Vaughn says they did. Uh, I thought it was Smith. John Smith had it at his house. John Smith, I mean. Yeah, John yeah, Smith. Yeah. But Joan says it was in her grand, great-grandfather's fireplace. So I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, she had some inf interesting, interesting information that was sort of a little bit different. Right. So um, I'm not sure what may have been passed down within her family that, uh, you know, she talked about that they had chests that they all had. And, um, yep. yeah, it's interesting. You know, who knows? It's It's... It's very possible that, that things have been found over the years that have that were treasure that are now you know long gone, or somebody has it in their private collection that just doesn't want to uh, expose it because uh, it's in their family and they don't want to like you know call Rick or Marty up and say hey my grandfather gave me this from Oak Island because he worked on the site or whatever so who knows how much loose stuff that can tie some things together that are out in the public you know, right. 
Okay, so I think you, if you just uh, present this, the screen, I think it's ready to go. Okay, so uh, I just started with a, a basically a, a background of myself real quick. Um, so, you know, I was a kid growing up in the 70s. I, I love the Hardy Boys. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so a lot of those books are, are you know, you look at the, the melted coins, they're lowering, lowering him down into a pit and then there's caves and uh, it was all about, you know, solving mysteries and looking for treasure and that kind of thing. So um, I still have all my books. I think I have like 55 of them uh, from back when I was like, you know, between like eight and 13 years old, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, let's see, I just tried to change it. Let me see. No, Rudy. Okay, can you guys see the next slide? Yep. Yep. Okay. And then, of course, the '80s. I loved uh, Indiana Jones movies, and and uh, that's I think where a lot of people first, you know, learned about the 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 Holy Grail, the Ark mm. of the Covenant, uh, biblical biblical archaeology. I still love it to this day. I still buy biblical uh, biblical archaeology magazines, that kind of thing, to to keep up with stuff. Yep. I still um, I hate snakes too. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's the article, the first article that I ever um, read. There you go. Uh, 1993, July 24th. So I, I I still remember the day, you know, reading the paper and, and seeing this, and and as I say, it mentions like the Holy Grail. It mentions different theories, uh, the lost Shakespearean manuscripts, all that kind of stuff, even mm -hmm. way back then. So uh, so that's what started it off for me, the uh, the article. And uh, this is one of my uh, genealogy charts. So you can you can see me at the very bottom. And uh, this is how I directly relate to um, some of the earlier treasure hunters. Simeon Linz uh, was the founder of the Onslow Company, along with Colonel Robert Archibald and David Archibald. Mm -hmm. um, and I also relate directly, well, indirectly to the Belcher family. So you've got Captain Andrew Belcher, um, who was with Phipps, and then his son, Jonathan Belcher Sr., was the governor of Massachusetts and the first American-born Freemason. And Jonathan Belcher Jr. was the, uh, became the Grand Master of Nova Scotia Freemasons. He was also the governor of Nova Scotia. Unreal. I want to tell the members, though, we couldn't get the pointer or cursor to work oh. for some reason. So uh, right. take a look at it. And if you oh. got to take a screenshot, uh, members. Uh, Can you see no that right problem. now? It looks like the cursor showing there. Not on our, not on my end. I don't see. Not on yours. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to tell them. I mean, it's in red. I've got it. Yeah, I've got it blocked off in red. So that's the Belchers, and that's the. Uh... Yep. So, so as I say, I, I, I honestly believe that uh, Captain Andrew Belcher was responsible for hiding treasure on Oak Island, and uh, and his and my direct relatives later were, in, I believe, were involved in in trying to find it, mm. and that they they probably knew something. They'd heard something within the family, and. Uh, uh, and then, okay, I'll go to the next slide here, actually. Oh, sorry. So this is uh, going back. Uh, the, the fifth name when you go up is uh, one, two, three. Yeah, Stephen Fulton Hustis was my three, three times great-grandfather. And uh, that's a picture of him there hmm. with his wife, Louisa Archibald. And uh, again, he was a member of the oldest Masonic Lodge in Canada, which still exists uh, in Nova Scotia, in Halifax. Uh, he was a minister. And of course, he was he was also the publisher of the uh, History of the County of Lunenburg, second edition in 1895. Okay, Scott, was Jonathan Belcher 
Was he a judge? Um, not a judge. He was a. You mean Jonathan Belcher Jr.? Nope. It just says Jonathan Jonathan Belcher. Okay, he was the judge. Junior was definitely a a lawyer. Okay. Thank uh, he you. Was def- yeah, in the legal profession, and and senior, um, had become a like I said, he was the. He visited England when he was uh, 1704, and okay. was made was made a Freemason then, and he and he actually um, visited with the future King of England uh, at that time, and 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 that's who made him uh, the uh, the governor. Already. Uh, so that's yep. And this one was also shown in an article that I wrote. So this this is the same families, uh, basically showing ten different treasure hunters, all within the exact same family, uh, spanning 148 years holy of the treasure hunt. Holy, lordy, you can 40. imagine that. So so people who say it's a it's a scam and this and that and you know like these are families joining, hearing things from within their own families, and that they kept looking. They you know, they obviously believe something was there. Yeah, obviously, yeah. And you know, if it was, you know, if I was the one who knew it was a scam, I would have said, you know, my, you know, my son or grandson, don't bother. It's, you mm-hmm. know, but obviously these guys didn't do that. So, to me, this is a real indication that that that, uh, you know, they all definitely believe something's there. Yep, sure does. Um, so this is kind of a cool picture. This was taken in uh, 2005. Um. My friend Dave on the very far left is the one who set up the picture. But uh, this this is pretty much all of the Oak Island uh, tourism people that visited Oak Island back then. Uh, you can see me on the very far right. I'm standing next to uh, Dan Blankenship. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dan's wife, Jane, is sitting in the chair. Uh, right behind her is uh, Oak Island researcher extraordinaire Paul Rakloski, or Rakloski, sorry. Um, Paul was Paul was amazing. He was one of the guys that really found all the first, uh, the early information about the earliest lot owners. He was the first one to debunk the the myth that it was the three boys who found the, you know, the depression. It was actually three men and that kind of thing. Um, you guys would know uh, Terry DeVoe in the middle. He's been on the show I think four or five times. Mm-hmm. Um, next to him, a little over further, uh, Danny Henniger was the uh, president of the Oak Island Tourism Association and a uh, longtime tour guide. Um, further down, you can see Darcy O'Connor. So he's a well-known Oak Island author who's been on the show. And of course, uh, Dan Hensky, um, who's still still going. I think he's like 80-something now. Right. Um, and next to him, I, I mentioned at the bottom, uh, Bill Milstead as well. Uh, he's one of the early early investors. And uh, just over to the right from uh, him, uh, Joe Atherton was the founder. Uh, she's from England, and she was actually the founder of Oak Island Treasure, that first website, and, and she continues to be part of the, the Facebook site. Right. Now, when uh, Paul passed away, where did all his research go to? Did he leave it to somebody? <sighs> I think I did hear someone that got some of it. Daniel might actually even know. Oh, Okay um that's been a long time since i thought about that but all right uh, no problem scott but paul was actually a very early uh um you know he he was into the 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 smuggling aspect that he thought there was smuggling oh, along okay. the island right. and he also and he also uh the portuguese he was one of the first to suggest that there was probably a portuguese involvement with oak island doesn't um, that sound familiar 
Yeah, exactly. So, that, and that was like, you know, more than 15 years ago. So, um, so there's me with the heart shaped stone. So that, uh, that is something that has both pirate and Masonic significance. Uh, if it really is uh, shaped by man that was found on Oak Island. Um, this is just a photo that I took uh, during our first tour. So that was a nice reflection at Smith's Cove. All right, we got a question, uh, Scott, as we're going yeah. along. Okay. If a large silver treasure or an ancient religious relic or both plus more, how many people of Freemasons actually would know of some of that at one time? I mean, it all depends. Um, what a question. So my, yeah, my, my theory with, with Phipps and Belcher um there was a small group who would have known about it right and i actually presented on the show who from phipps's entourage later knew the map maker herman mole so i have it i have a direct connection right there that that wasn't shown um and then of course uh captain andrew belcher's son was the first american-born freemason he was one of the he mm -hmm. was the senior freemason in all of America, uh, he belonged to the earliest Masonic lodge in Boston, and uh, yeah, and and through him, there's a very close tie to Oak Island. So, um, and then we have early Masons on the island uh, who uh, who very well could have been there, um, you know, protecting it at first or or kind of overseeing things. So yeah, I, I mean, there would have been some for sure. Um, right. Again, I presented a lot of information I can't talk about. No problem, Scott. Um, there's one one person in particular was a Mason who who designed a, a map that I believe has a Masonic cipher uh, pointing to Oak Island as well. So, um, okay, yeah, yeah. So that that's that's from that particular theory. That's the already. And somebody says, "What's the significance of the heart, Scott?" Um. So in one of the initiations, there's um a sword pointing at a heart and you'll see that symbol on a lot of uh, masonic gravestones okay and i actually found one in in, in halifax that's uh almost 200 years old on a gravestone so i can't really i can't really explain exactly what it means but but it is a okay. uh, um daniel's mentioning alexander brimer yes i know that name for sure um so here's just a nice view from the the Oak Island Resort. So I've every time I go there, I've 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 been I've stayed there, and uh, you can see Oak Island at the very top right, uh, behind the trees. That's Oak Island, and the, the causeway is just off to the right. Mm -hmm. And this was a photo I took back then. Uh, so from the Oak Island Resort, there's actually a number of cabins as well that are on the old Vaughn property, and they face directly at the island. So you can just, you know, sit, have a barbecue and then just look Beautiful. at the island. And yeah, it's amazing. And again, you can just see a little piece of the causeway at the very far right. Mm -hmm. So this was a tour uh, in 2006. This is the old shack I was talking about. So yeah. Yeah. It actually says Oak Island Tours up at the top, which uh, they they took as one of the names of the of a company they, they formed, the, yeah. the guys. And uh, that's actually Darcy O'Connor um who was leading that tour from uh, normally it, it would be uh danny henniger but that was darcy uh doing that one back then i just love these uh, old photos thank you so much scott for sharing these with us 
Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I tried to pick ones that you guys hadn't seen before. There's a lot yeah. of the same old, same old. Yeah. So I tried to. So this one's kind of cool. It shows a boat in the swamp um, that was there when we were doing the tour. It was just, it's probably like a canoe size. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they would have just pulled it out, but it just, you know, they're always talking about wood and boats in the swamp. And <laughs> and there's there's something that was there a long time ago that was just sort of decaying in the in the foliage there. There it is. There's the ship. There it is. <laughs> That's the ship. Yeah. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> uh, Scott, is the 90 foot stone a Masonic cipher in your opinion? Uh, that I'm not exactly sure. I, I, I've, I've talked about the 90 foot stone in my research on a couple of different ways. Um, again, I can't talk about one of them. The other one is kind of okay. more related to, uh, there's something called a Mark Mason where Masons used to practice their, their Mark, which was a, a symbol that they would use. And in one of the earliest accounts of the Oak Island mystery, which they never talk about in the show, uh, they actually say that they found a layer of beach stones with strange symbols on them in the pit. Beach and, stones. Uh, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I know it's wait a minute, a Mark, big, wait yeah. a minute, Scott. Beach stones with labels on them in the money pit, you said. Is that did exactly. I hear that correctly? Exactly. One of the very earliest accounts. And it oh never gets my lordy forty. I'm hearing things new again. Please speak on. <laughs> So yeah, imagine like where, where did these go to? So they, it's it's in someone's account that there was a layer of these stones, and each stone had either one or more strange symbols that may have been the same as the ones on the ninety foot stone, or may not. Okay. And and the first thing I thought of was 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 mason marks. You know, did these? I know there was masons on the island in in pre seventeen ninety five. Right. And could there have been some sort of association with with you know that? Um, in my, in my, one of my older theories, you know, when we talked about the Solomon and the ring and, and demons, yep. and I, I wondered if it was some sort of, a um, like a protection, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, magical symbols meant to, meant to protect or to keep something in kind of thing. But, uh, when you talk about Mason marks, now, is that just a, you know, one Mason master has their mark that may be a. It's like, it's like a signature. So so the, the original operative stonemasons in the medieval times, yeah. when they built a cathedral, they would do a little, you know, like whatever, like a compass and square or a, or a okay. little right. pentagram or a, right. anything. It could be anything. Okay. And and every every mason, when they when they uh, join a Masonic Mark Mason Lodge, they pick right. their own mark. Oh, so, and okay. it can't be obvious. It can't be a name like, you know, like yeah. John. It has to be something, yeah, like a symbol. Oh my lordy forty! That just blew my mind. So that's that's a big question. What happened to those beach stones? Are they are they still scattered on the you know somewhere eroding, or does somebody have them, or you know? Scott, out of all the books I've read and theories I've read, this is the first time I've ever heard about beach stones in the money pit. Now, why didn't even Darcy say that in his book? I don't know. I'm I have all Darcy's books. I, I don't know if he ever yeah. did mention it, but. Uh, the account is from James McNutt. Uh, James I got it from McNutt. the Ar- okay. McNutt. I got it from the archives in Nova Scotia. It's from the same rough period that the the earliest articles were coming out in the uh, early 1860s, I guess. Unbelievable! So. Did you hear that, members out there, all seventy thousand of you? Oh my <laughs> lordy, forty! Wow. That's all I can say is wow. Go ahead, Scott. Okay. 
so this is pretty cool. So this was during one of the tours. Uh, we were, I was at the back of the group and I was just taking photos and mm -hmm. we were going out, coming up on the swamp and I hear this, this uh, vehicle coming up behind me. Right. And I kind of turn around and it's this, this awesome looking Jeep with, uh, with Rick and Marty. And I think um, Alan, one of their partners, I'm not sure if that's the gentleman sitting on the back, but uh, they basically just pulled up beside us all the, the tour kind of split, you know, on the road and, and, Mm -hmm. to let them pass but this was one of the first times that i think they ever went onto the island and 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 kind of or at least as, as as that particular group right so that was that was back in 2006 uh when they had just acquired it yeah we don't see ellen at all around the island or no, maybe no, just not in the public not on the show we yeah. see his name come up and yeah but, um so, so people forget he's part of the uh incorporation so okay, there's another shot. This is over towards the 10X. They kind of pulled over and, and I was sort of right there. So I got a couple of nice pictures of a much younger looking Rick, less, less, less uh, <laughs> tired looking. And, uh, <laughs> and there's one more nice one of Rick as well. Yep. And actually Rick has this, uh, his assistant reached out to me and, and asked me for a copy years ago. Very good. So, so Rick should have this picture. And this one's kind of cool. So this was this was right at the same time. So uh, I was in the borehole 10x shack and mm -hmm. uh, took a photo of, of a general group. And and as you see, the fellow in the black, the back with the blue shirt mm -hmm. is actually Doug Crowell. Oh my lordy forty, Doug! You see that? Looking is much he... uh, much younger. Uh... <laughs> Obviously, he's got this picture, right? He does. He does. Yeah, I sent okay. it to him. And and the funny thing is, on the very next slide, he took a picture of me at the exact same time. <laughs> So that that's me in the back left with the uh, silver camera. Yeah, uh, I didn't even know he took that picture, but he uh, he reached out to me one day on, on on email and just said, "Scott, I have this picture of you, and I have I have one of you." And <laughs> yeah. So that was that was before we knew each other. We we know each other pretty well now. We we uh, very good message every you know every month or so. And yeah. So so yeah. So that's Doug back then. Unreal. Now this one uh, is our old friend uh, Chris Chris Dona Chris Donna. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so he's Chris is the one taking the photo of the drilled stone. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Danny Henniger is the one dressed up as a pirate. So that was the tour that that uh, Darcy was leading, and some of the Oak Island tourism guys dressed up as pirates, and and uh, and uh, also my friend Brent is there. Brent Curry, I think you might be listening tonight. Uh, he's sort of right beside uh, to the right of Chris Dona with the okay. black shirt on. So that was uh, just want to get a couple of shots of our old friend Chris in there because Chris was a huge help to a lot of us, uh, the Tremendous. researchers over the years. And, and Chris, of course, has been on the show. Uh, you know, viewers will know him, and and uh, and, and very sadly passed away not long ago. And they, yep, they very good, him. very good friend of mine, and always available at a moment's notice. Very, very unbelievable. His losses really felt hard on our end. Yep, for sure. So there's a picture of Smith's Cove at low tide. So I'm, I'm pretty much standing right by the ocean and uh, looking back at the tour group. So it gives you an idea of how, how big that was back then and before they started uh, bulldozing things. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't even think we even have a present picture of anything of low tide around the island. To tell you the truth, I, you know, and I got a thousands of photos and I've been doing this for six years. Yeah. I don't have any photos of low tide as I know. Well, 
yeah, I know when I've gone back, it, there's been high tide a couple of times. Yeah. And, um, but I do have quite a few of these similar photos. So okay. if you're interested, I can send you some. But okay. I thought that was kind of cool. So there's a picture of the uh, the G stone, um, basically where it sat for many years. And it just shows you the, the, the proximity to Smith's Cove in the background. And uh, I believe the story was that this was this was dug up upside down by Dan Blankenship. Um, mm -hmm. not far from the cave-in pit, which is sort of where we are in this picture. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, Jason Mercer. Chris Dona pulled me into this after he found me in John's group. So oh, he, he, he helped a lot of people, and that's the way he was. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep, um, and I just see Darlene has a comment. Do you think the 1704 stone is one of those beach stones? I would say no, um, just because it, it, it's giving a very specific date. Um, I've, I've, I've seen the stone. I've, I've seen mm -hmm. it with, um, with, uh, um, it was brought to the Island one time and, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's some people that don't, that don't think it's legit. And then there's others that say it is, and, and that's sort of hard to tell. I'm not sure if that's something you can actually have, um, dated or, or somehow figure out based on the, mm -hmm. you know. But yeah, no, I don't think that's part of the those beach stones though. Uh, another picture. So this was a bunch of us from the Oak Island Tourism Society again, and uh, again it shows our friend Chris Christona on the very far right, and myself. I've got the sun for some reason lighting up my face, all, all white. <laughs> I'm actually wearing a Knights Templar shirt in that picture. Okay. And uh, and and at the far left, my friend Dave, and then next to him again, uh, Brent. And uh, so these are all people that were in the in the uh, the group back then. Danny Henniger wearing the pirate, and at the front right is uh, Joe Atherton as well, the founder of Oak Island Treasure site. And here is uh, uh Judy, Ludenbush. Yep. Restall showed a heart-shaped stone. What does the heart mean in masonry? Thank you, Judy. I did kind of mention that quickly. So it, it is, it's part of a, um, one of the initiation ceremonies that I can't really get into, Okay. but it involves a, a sword and a heart. All right. So it, it is specifically part of a Masonic initiation. Thank you, Scott. Yep. And I know pirates have used hearts on their flags and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been used, there's been an association with that. Um, so here we have the same, still the same tour. We were all heading back and, uh, um, I, I kind of came a bit late, but uh, Darcy had uh, apparently found the 90-foot stone on the beach <laughs> in the uh, in the South Shore Cove. Mm -hmm. So uh, he was basically just digging it up. And uh, uh, at the at the back, uh, you can see Dave uh, Blankenship's wife Garnett. Uh, she's wearing a, like a white T-shirt with an open blue shirt. Yep, in the back. Yep. Yep. So I've got quite a few pictures of this. I actually helped them carry it back to the to the museum, which was pretty cool. I got to go inside and, and see a whole bunch of the old artifacts and things that were there from the seventies. Um, but the, the museum was in rough shape at that time. So, right. There are some YouTube uh, videos that I've seen with, um, the video of you doing things during this, <laughs> they're doing this during, uh, this time in video on YouTube. I think I'm right. Joe, Joe's, uh, I mean, exactly. from, year, from years ago, I think I saw one, but I'm not sure Scott. No, exactly. I know what you're talking about. Exactly. Joe, Joe took some, uh, some videos. Okay. And, uh, I may or may not be in one of them, but, uh, 
yeah, that was pretty cool. And that thing weighed like like you know eighty pounds or more. It was it's pretty thick actually. So um, I'm not sure if that's the same one that Danny Henniger now has. There's a museum in Chester mm -hmm. that that Danny helps to to run, and uh, it's in Oak Island. You know, it's got a section on Oak Island, and it's got a a, a replica of the ninety foot stone, and among other among other things. So I'm not sure if that's the same one. Right. Do you have any idea who etched that 1704 number on that rock, or any kind of oh, theory? I I, I have, I know that uh, there was a pirate named Captain Quelch who was, I believe, caught in 1704 and Captain Andrew Belcher was involved with him. Okay. And that's something I kind of got into a little bit, but never really, never became part of my main research. But that date, 1704, stuck with me as, as associated mm -hmm. with Captain Quelch. Yep. So um, if people want to look that up, that you can probably find information online. Um, and Daniel's saying it may not be a date. That's also true. Um, could be anything. I mean, it looks like a date, but yeah, it could be. It could be a measurement. It could be, you know, who knows, right? There's lots of uh, yep. unusual things. So, so here's a nice smiling photograph I took of uh, Dan mm -hmm. Blankenship and, uh, and Darcy back. Uh, back in 06. So we were having a, they called it a Pirates Brannigan. It was sort of a, an evening party where they had singers and people were dressing up and it was a nice dinner and uh, uh, they had a contest and, and and my daughter actually won the contest. They they brought people up on the stage and, and okay. they had to do different things and they had to like blindfold them and walk a plank without falling off and that kind of thing. And so that was kind of cool. So um, that's, that's where this photo is from. And so was this photo. <laughs> so that's kind of an embarrassing one of me. I, uh, I threw it in as well to show uh, the people in the group. So, I, of course, I'm wearing the, the puffy shirt. I don't know what I'm supposed to be there, but sort of a mixed British type pirate. Uh, Joe is standing next to me from mm -hmm. Oak Island Treasure. Uh, you can see Danny and Darcy on the far left and then Chris mm -hmm. Dona right behind me. Yep. And, and again, my friend uh, Brent is wearing the blue shirt. He's not dressed up in this one. <laughs> Uh, next to him is my good friend Ken Ken Paneo, a longtime high-level Freemason in Nova Scotia and longtime uh, Oak Island enthusiast. He also sadly passed away a number of years back. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was fun. And then uh, this is part of the group that was watching us that night. There they so are. Very young-looking Craig Tester, Rick, Marty, Dan. So this was also taken at that same Pirates Brannigan. So yeah, it's amazing to see how the the time has gone by. You know, time waits it, for no man. Feels like it's been nothing. Uh, another picture of myself and uh, Mr. Blankenship. Looks like I'm wearing my Oak Island Tourism Society crew crew badge there, so people would know to come to me for if they had questions and things. Yeah, I hope Doug went through all his files by now in his office, but I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's me and author Mark Finnan. That was way back when we were first started working on our book together. Mm -hmm. So this is at Mark's house. He's also in Ontario. And uh, we also have an in interesting backstory, which I talk about in my book. Uh, uh, kind of a really bizarre, you know, thing that that uh, I reached out to him and, and didn't know anything about him and and, and uh, found out that he was actually a very good friend of my, my birth grandmother for many years. And oh, uh, yeah, just... Bizarre coincidence. I have I have a bunch of them that, that lined up in the book. Um, 
so this is a picture I took. Uh, I think it was just like a you know a reenactment, something they during one of the tours they they um, they put this box with the shovels, and I think there were some pirates that were there, and uh, so I took this picture, and 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 Joe used it on her website for a little while, mm -hmm. and then we got contacted by Forbes magazine. They actually wanted to use it in the magazine, so. So they sent me a little release thing. I think I got like 40 bucks or something. And <laughs> it was in this Forbes magazine on this on this article about uh, top treasures around the world, that kind of thing. Very nice. Very nice. That's kind of cool. And that's just a pit, uh, picture of how the uh, the money, so-called so money pit, it was actually the part of the head and shaft looked back mm -hmm. then. So again, they, they even back then, Danny would say, this is the rough area of the money pit. Uh, we believe it's probably a little bit north of this, right? So even then, they didn't know exactly where it was. It was missing. Right. Now, and... did Dan Blankenship tell you that he believed at that time when you were talking to him that the money pit was a ruse? He believed the money pit was not in the location everybody was looking at. Did he mention anything like that to you, like he's been uh... doing before he passed away? Not specifically. I, I know that he was big on 10X. That was his... Yeah. Yeah. Back back when we first went there, like he was really big on 10x. That that he was sure there was a floating hand and a body and right, a chest yeah, and yeah. you know. So that that was that's what I remember most of all was, um, you know, and and it's very likely that 10x might be connected to the money pit mm -hmm. through some sort of you know subterranean, no, right, right, cavern or channel or something. So, yeah. Okay. Um, Just wondering. So yep. And this is just a picture of one of the tours. So this is uh, right at the Money Pit area or right near the, the head and shaft. Mm -hmm. uh, Danny Henniger is way up at the back wearing a red hat. He's talking. So just to give people an idea of how the tours kind of looked back then around that area. We got another and this great, was, great yep. question here by Neil. If you could travel back in time to experience Masonic Templar history, where <laughs> and who would you go see, Scott? Thank you. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I'm I'm most fascinated with the period um, where Rosicrucianism and Freemasonry first started developing. Um, so, early 1600s, mm -hmm. uh, guys like Robert Flood and and uh, so some of the very first Freemasons were were alchemists and they were they were into like you know alchemy and magic and and mm -hmm. um, mystical pursuits mm -hmm. that kind of thing and that all kind of got into Freemasonry mm -hmm. and um, and and of course uh, Francis Bacon was into that kind of stuff John Dee um, I'm almost positive that John Dee was involved like I I love that whole yeah. Elizabeth, Elizabethan area with with those guys you know uh, Walter Raleigh and 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 uh, Gilbert and uh, yeah, so I mean, I mean the the, the Templar part, I, I guess uh, you know the maybe the, maybe the the earliest days, the founding of the Templars, the the original nine knights, you know that I think that's pretty cool. And and were they really stationed under the Temple of Solomon? And and were they really digging? Did they actually find you know something as a number of authors have have later claimed? Right. right. I'd love to be a, a fly on the wall for that. <laughs> oh, so would I. So would I. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's there's different different time frames right. do you think the royal arch freemasonry started when when you think yeah um again that's something i'm working on i can't really say specifically my theory okay um i know that 
uh, officially it, it would have been around um, 1740s, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and there's definitely a, a tie-in with with uh, Jacobite Freemason with uh, the Jacobite movement, which which was also tied in with the whole Phipps uh, finding the silver. If you guys know anything about that, there. Uh, so that's when the uh, the Glorious Revolution, 1688, uh, when um, uh, King Charles left the throne and and William and Mary came in from from the Netherlands. Uh, there was a guy who actually was he was at the Concepcion rec site named Charles Mordaunt hmm. and uh, Charles Mordaunt was there for like a well over a month um, at the rec site. No one mm-hmm. knows exactly what was happening, but he ends up going back to Holland and a month later, they, 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 uh, the revolution started hmm. and, and uh, Graham Harris, my friend Graham Harris believes that uh, Mordaunt brought back some of the silver uh, to fund that revolution. Hmm. And then on the other side, there's, there's this, uh, my theory with with um, Phipps and Belcher, which kind of kind of leans more towards the other side, which is the Jacobites, which is which is uh, um, the Stuart kings. Uh, so they went to France. They got exiled to France, and a lot of early Freemasonry developed in France, and it was through Scottish people living in France at that time. So there's there's a lot of interesting uh, history there to to really you know you can really get in and get lost in that kind of stuff i hear you i hear you and i got a question i thought this was a great question that just came up it's by jan scorzea what do you think the information is when they give the tours now do you think the information from charles is all up to date and from the other tour guides are they up to date telling the public well, what they know i mean are they always up to date there or are they lagging behind a little bit what do you think scott the thing is, I can't say because I haven't been on a recent tour. Right, so nobody the, has. Yeah. And and even 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 um in between, like I when I was there in 2021 and 2019, mm-hmm. I didn't go on an official tour, so I don't know exactly what Charles is saying. I know that uh, one of the ladies recently mentioned a sarcophagus stone, which I'd never heard of before. Yeah. Uh, apparently, that's on the tour now. So uh, that that's a rock, right? A, a rock right. formation. Yeah. I'd never heard of that before. Um. I would imagine it's it's similar. Yeah. Uh, Charles does uh, mention about the you know that it wasn't three boys; it was three men okay. found. Right. You know, he, yeah. so some of that you know, the guys definitely know that. Um. Yeah, Daniel saying Bonnie Prince Charlie. So that's that's who is uh, they were trying to get back on the throne, the Jacobites, and of course, uh, seventeen forty-five they had a disastrous. Um campaign i guess it was uh culloden in scotland and it all kind of fell apart so that was the end of the stuart <laughs> stuart uprising uh so this this picture here shows the uh, the improvement center where they had the displays set up um, uh, um scott we got judy i gotta give judy some kudos here she wants to know uh, yep agd isn't that rock right in front of the start of fred's driveway is that the rock they're talking about i have no idea I'm, I, it could be, I'm not sure. Cause I've walked by that driveway many times Yeah, and I don't, I don't recall it, but maybe I just wasn't even looking. It may, it may have been, um, but really. yeah, if it's, if it's on the main road and there's, there's usually a keep out sign yep. that's been there for years. Yeah. I've and, seen it so many times, not seen it. You know, I've seen it on YouTube and pictures that the yeah. people took the tours from. Yep. Um, yeah. So as I was saying, this, this they showed a lot of artifacts and maps and, 
Uh, there was a TV up at the front showing the video from the from the uh, borehole 10x, mm-hmm. and uh, Dan himself would often sit on the on the far left um, for a little while and, and talk to people and answer questions and that kind of thing. So it was pretty cool. So there's me and Dan Hensky. Uh, Dan's really cool. He he uh, he loves to talk. He has so many stories, and and uh, this was one of his old shacks that he used to. I'm not sure if he lived here or if this is one of his tool shacks, but he had multiple shacks that were mm-hmm. recently torn down. And, uh, and uh, you know, he, he told me like the stories about how uh, one that always sticks with me is the one where he, uh, you know, he was by himself at night sleeping on the Island uh, a lot of times. And one night he had this intense vision of like, uh, you know, demons or something coming up out of the money. Yeah. And, yeah. And freaked him out. And he, he literally jumped in the ocean and swam to shore yeah, and, I remember and, that story. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he told me himself that it's. It, oh my god, it was true, and and uh, he still thinks it was something you know supernatural. So you never know. We got something from Darlene, though. Okay. The garnet that was discovered on the island displayed an unusual, uneven cut. Was it customary for the high priest to wear a non-perfect gem on their breastplate? Thank you, Darlene, and thank you, Scott. Yep. So I would say uh, the answer there could be definitely um, the the Masonic breastplates were were not standard at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find them. I, I've done the research in the past on you know you can find them on eBay sometimes and and um, so they you know they basically tried to copy the the biblical description. Uh, of course, it has to be twelve stones representing the twelve tribes of Israel. Um, often they were like on a brass or metal plate, but the, uh, the Bible, I believe mentions more of a fabric, hmm. uh, composition to the breastplate. Um, so, so definitely the, the, the Masonic breastplates would have been, you know, uh, varying levels of, of perfection kind of thing. Like they would try to do their best, but mm-hmm. they would work with what they had. Um, they would probably try to use real um you know gemstones and, and semi-precious stones but they may have ended up using glass mm-hmm. you know color glass at, at some point so do they still um, use them to this day and uh yes okay yes uh, so i'm not a, i'm not a member of that group that does that ritual um but i know that they do definitely have that and and uh and um yeah i know i know at least one mason in nova scotia who was a former uh, high priest. Yeah, Daniel says when they tested that garnet on the island, it was tested to be leaded glass. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I I know they kept going on about garnet, and and yeah, there was two of them that were found, and it was kind of yeah, one so, was smaller, uh, one was smaller, one was bigger. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah, and I and I wrote that article. Uh, actually, I, I wrote an article three years ago uh, that was on the Monsters and Critics website. Uh, about that Masonic breastplate and, and the stone. And uh, and uh, the guys heard about it last fall. And uh, one of the producers said, can you please put together a presentation and and, mm-hmm. and present that on the show? So so that's what I did. Um, I, I Obviously, it ties in. Because um, I had talked about being on Lot 8, and Lot 8 was owned by Jonathan Prescott, who was a Freemason. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, obviously, they found an anomaly on Lot 8, which they think ties in with my theory so that's they sort of put that together yeah i wish uh they would get that permanent but i don't think this year 
yeah, I mean, I very much doubt the the Ark of the Covenant Covenant is on uh, Lot Eight, but <laughs> okay. there there could be a Masonic replica um, yep. because yeah, the Masons used obviously replicas in their in their rituals, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I threw it out there at the end that that you know it, it there is still the possibility that it could be Templar related. Um, I don't think it would be on Lot Eight. I think it would probably be in, in the Money Pit if that was the case. But mm-hmm. uh, yep. So let's move on. Okay. <laughs> So that's my friend Graham Harris. So uh, Graham again was the first one to uh, come up with the theory that that uh, uh, William Phipps may have brought silver to Oak Island, and then and he had his sort of evidence. And then and then I I found four much stronger pieces of evidence, which is what I presented as I say two of them on the show. Uh, so Graham didn't know about the map. He didn't know about the letter. He didn't know about the other things I I found. Mm-hmm. But it was it was his original theory for sure. Uh, so this was at a, a dinner we had. Again, some people dressed up, and and uh, I did not this time. So, <laughs> so this was cool. This was a barbecue at uh, Dan and Garnett Blankenship's house that I was invited to back in two thousand seven. Um, uh, very few of us from the Oak Island Tourism Society were invited, and uh, so you can see Dan Blankenship in the red golf shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's talking with uh, to Craig Tester's sort of hidden, and uh, Rick Lagina is sort of at the back staircase talking to a gentleman with the hat on. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also see Dan's wife to the right. She's a third person in from the right, holding the red cup. Um, so this is the back of of uh, David and Garnett's house. And then we had a bunch of tables set up and. Uh, and um, so you can sort of see my wife and daughter on the left corner. And then the very left, far left, you can see Craig Tester uh, talking to Rick and I think Marty back there. Okay. These are fantastic. Uh, These pictures are fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Something different, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, so this this was amazing. This was like, uh, you know, being invited here and, and just, you know, talking to all these different guys and... Uh, um, this was, uh, yeah, they had some sort of games and some some uh, giveaways and things. So there's Rick. Unfortunately, it's a bit of a blurry blurry photo, but that's Garnett next to Rick. And again, you've got uh, Dan Blankenship in the red mm-hmm. and uh, my old friend John Henderson with the white beard, and that's his mm-hmm. wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, so John was also a member back then and uh, haven't heard from him in a little while, but uh, hope he's doing well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just going back to this quickly. So this this ended up uh, going into the evening, and um, it was actually the same night as a meteor shower. So oh, we all we all ended up sort of lying down on chairs and whatever mm-hmm. blankets on the grass and and watching this meteor shower from Whoa. Oak Island. You know, in 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 the middle of the night, it was it was amazing. I was thinking like, wow, how cool <laughs> is this, right? So. Um, and then I got pictures, you know, walking back in the dark, and it was kind of spooky. And uh, but yeah, that was that was definitely a great experience. And uh, there's a photo of me. Uh, so this is in Nova Scotia. I brought my Masonic apron with me because I was invited to a to attend a lodge meeting. Um, mm-hmm. So once you're a Mason, you know, anywhere you can you can basically attend other lodges, right? Uh, as long as the secretary knows and that you're coming, and and. Uh, that's something a lot of people like to do is travel around and visit different lodges. They all sort of have little differences in the rituals and stuff, which is interesting when you, when you hear it. Um, so the gentleman on the right is uh, the former grand master of Nova Scotia. 
mm-hmm. uh, Dan Campbell. So he was uh, following up uh, Jonathan Belcher 200 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and my friend, uh, again, Ken Paneo on the left. Uh, Ken was a fairly senior Mason as well. And uh, I think he was part of the Grand Lodge. He wasn't actually a, an officer, but he was he was connected to the Grand Lodge. Now you have to wear these aprons showing your status or whatever that, that shows your status, right? It does actually. And uh, if okay. you see my, my apron has uh, um, three sort of circular, they call it a rosette. Yep. And the other two gentlemen both have an upside down sort of a T-square. Yeah. Um, or a tau cross. Mm-hmm. And, and that signifies uh, past master. Okay. So you have to become, and, and that takes a lot to become a master of a lodge. You have to go through like, usually close to 10 years of working your way up. Oh boy. Uh, so I've gone through three chairs. I was uh, recently the junior deacon in my lodge. And um, then we had COVID, so nobody's been nobody's been in the lodge for two years. So mm-hmm. yep. it's uh, it's slowly coming back. But uh, yeah, so, so you're exactly right. It does indicate your status. Uh, the majority of the Masons have the, the rosette like I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not quite sure why Ken's is a different blue. Um, the majority what's, of them are that the same blue as the two on the right. And what's the badges for? What are those badges for? Uh, different things. Um, so Dan is wearing the collar of a master. Okay. Yep. Okay. The collar um, of the master. So he was the master of that lodge. Yep. And, uh, the other ones there's, there's different, um, I know there's one for Scottish, right? There's one for, there's a lot, there's so many, uh, so many levels above even Scottish, right? That, that, that things that open up once you get to a certain level mm-hmm. you'll find out that something else exists and oh boy oh thank so, you scott yep yep so it's pretty cool um yeah i never saw all that before so there's the lodge in chester so it's actually called clark lodge so uh again there's no no relation to me but uh there was a dr clark who was the first uh the first master of that lodge and this is the lodge that came about after the original chester lodge with the uh with the oak island lot owners um, so Chester Lodge existed from 1784, uh, to 1830s, I believe. Hmm. And then this lodge started in the 1860s. So it's not the same lodge. It's a completely separate lodge, but it's the continuation in Chester, Nova Scotia. Okay. And I've been in this lodge a couple of times. It's really, it's really cool. Uh, mm-hmm. they actually, they actually have the, uh, the original, uh, Masonic apron of Anthony Patillo or Patillo, who was one of the first Oak Island lot owners and a Freemason. And oh his actual Lord. his actual aprons hanging on the wall there. Do you know a Brenda Wolf? Yes. Oh Brenda, yes. Okay. Hello Brenda. Yeah actually yeah uh, Brenda was uh was at that barbecue for sure. There you go. Yep. Cool. Um and I have a picture of her which I, it's not in the slideshow so she <laughs> He okay. probably appreciates that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's the the lodge in Chester. Um, did I say Anthony? It's yeah, it's Alexander Patil, right. as Daniel just mentioned there. I don't know if I miss said the name. Right. Do you allow women in the Masons at the lodge now or no? Not where I am. Um, I okay. know that there's there's lodges out there that have started doing that. That are okay. They call them irregular lodges, though. They're, they they still don't um you know the, the regular lodges don't have yeah. women so so this is uh back in 2009 i i um i had found out about captain james anderson and uh 
and his famous sea chest, which the, the show discovered mm -hmm. many years after I was there. Yeah. Um, so basically I, I was in touch with one of the, one of the descendants and then I, he put me in touch with, with Bill. Mm -hmm. uh, Bill is, Bill is a direct descendant of James Anderson, uh, who, um, sadly also passed away before the show went there okay. to their house. Um, so I, I, I got to see the, see the sea chest, uh, you know, firsthand. Um, this is basically, you know, when I opened it up, they, they allowed me to look through it. Um, nothing unfortunately jumped out at me. There was the, the, the most interesting thing was a Masonic document, really? uh, belonging to Captain James Anderson, which you'll see in the next picture, but, oh, it's actually there on the right. It's, it's just sitting on the bed. Um, there was, uh, yeah, most, most of the stuff inside was, was stuff that was added later. You know, you have to remember this is a 200 year old plus sea chest that was handed down through six generations of the family, right? So people have sort of mm. added some things to it over the years. Um, so there's another better picture. So, so that's the but, Masonic document on top. But you went through all this stuff, right? Did they let you go right not, through all the stuff? No, not not like okay. with a fine tooth comb. It was just like you okay. know, looking looking briefly, and they were sort of in the room with me. And all right, you know, I was surprised that they trusted me to. You know, I was sort of a stranger coming in, and you know, but they were impressed to hear hear my uh, what I knew about the Oak Island and 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 the Masonic well, Lodge because they didn't really know a lot about that stuff either. So, well, um, sure, yep. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, yeah, no problem. And then and then of course the. The show found out about this, I think, like five, six years later. And then, of course, Doug and and Charles and those guys went and visited. And and at that time, there was a different relative that talked to them on the show. Right. Doug W. says here, did you check the secret compartment? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Eh? Actually, it looks like there could have been one in the in the uh, the top there, right? There's a, yeah. You know. And I did not actually check there. So there you go. I, uh... <laughs> There's the map. <laughs> <laughs> yep. There you go. It could be there. Um, yep. So that was cool. So uh, back to 2009. So this was after one of the tours. That's Garnet Blankenship on the left. And uh, a lot of people probably know Joy Steele. Uh, so Joy wrote a couple of Oak Island books. Uh, worked with Gordon Fader, who I know very, has been on your show as well. And Yeah, very nice lady. Very nice lady. I don't have a word, bad word to say about her. Has she contacted me through things being said by things on her research? Very nice lady. Another lady missed yeah, in our yeah. little world of Oak Island. Yeah, I know. There's been too many recently. There's been like at least three people that have passed away just in the last two years. Yep. And uh, um, Neil says, do the Masons have a book of secrets that, <laughs> that becomes available to the highest level member? Yeah. Does he, and, does he see it all? I mean, does the latest, highest Mason, priest, whatever you want to call him, does he see it all or no? And that I have no idea. I know it's it sounds like the uh, yeah. <laughs> national treasure, the the, pre the president's secret book, and uh, yeah. I love those movies. But I, yeah, I've never heard of a, a book like that. That uh, and and I'm not even sure what you would call the highest level because there's there's the uh, you know that within masonry there's there's the grand master of the the masons, the three levels, oh, which boy. to me is really high, right? Which is like Jonathan yeah. Melcher. Yeah. But then there's also the thirty third degree masons, which they have their own like in a lot of places, there's only 33 members ever. So okay. somebody has to die for someone else to come in. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. And that, that's true. And that's, and that's another level that people, you know, sometimes people say, well, that's the, uh, the Illuminati or whatever. And, yeah. and you know, I mean, there, there definitely was an, an Illuminati historical connection to masonry. Whoops. 
Yep. Um, sorry, I just uh, dropped a couple of things there. Am I still showing? Uh, You're showing a blank. A blank. Let me go back page. to that there. Yeah, go ahead. So I'm just going to pull it up again here if I can. Yep, take your time. Yeah, so there was there was you know a, a historical connection at one time um, back in Germany and in, in Bavaria, but uh, but uh, you know nothing nothing modern. Was uh, James Anderson member of the Chester Lodge? Um, Daniel, the professor, wants to know. He was for sure. Uh, okay, where's this? There you go. Okay, I'll wait. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll wait till you have it regular. Okay, from the current slide. There you go. A couple of seconds. Yep. I got it. Okay, go ahead. Ready? If you want to. Yep. All right. Sorry about that. It's just a little technical difficulty. So as I said, that's Garnett and Joy. And in this one, we have author Stephen Sora. And uh, I had mentioned um, how I found my birth father in, in, it was actually the year 2000. And it was directly through this book, um, one of the connections. So. Yep. I think a lot of people um, have that book right there. Yep, yep. And of course, uh, Steve just passed away, like in the last. Uh, oh, really? In the last year. So I'm I'm friends on Facebook with his wife, mm -hmm. Terry, and and uh, yeah, another another big loss to to Oak Island. But uh, and, and one of the really cool things I'll just mention quickly is um, take your time in the connection. So on the back of the book, it talks mm -hmm. about it talks about the uh, the Templars being. Uh, the predecessors of the Freemasons mm -hmm. and bringing the treasure to Oak Island. Mm -hmm. And it talks about Henry Sinclair. And right. so Sinclair is the only name mentioned on the book. And through this series of events where I found my birth father, mm -hmm. one of the first things he told me is his mother is a Sinclair. Oh my lordy for So it. I'm 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 a Sinclair by birth. Oh my lordy for and, it. and of course he grew up in Edinburgh, not far from Roslyn Chapel and and so the, that's another one of my my interests. I hear you. How many Oak Island landowners were actually masons at that lodge that you showed? That I can't say right now. Okay. <laughs> that's part of my my presentation that I made. No problem. It hasn't been shown yet, but it's definitely more than two. <laughs> um. Yep. So that's very very interesting. So this was in 2019. Um, so my buddy Laird and uh, Paul Troutman and Doug. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think I mentioned I, I presented to Paul and Charles in 2019. And uh, that was at a place called the Lordly House Museum, which was somewhere they've done a bit of off-site filming before. So that was kind of cool. But uh, you kind of know when you're not in the war room, you there's a chance you prop, you may not make it on TV. Right. Whereas if you are in the war room, you're, you're very likely going to make it. So... <laughs> So I'm glad I made it to the war room. That was that was sort of the or the if holy you're ritual. or if you're in the black SUV, you'll be on. <laughs> yep. 
so so that was good so that's that's the guys back then and uh, this is one of my new sort of favorite photos that was uh, taken uh, during one of my two presentations yeah i like that photo so you've got uh you got david fernetti and alex and rick mm -hmm. doug and jack and myself charles and scott barlow so that was a cool very cool experience. I think that was after the presentation. Yep. So, uh, and just to go to the actual presentations themselves, this is the um, the book that contained the letter that I have. So um, I, I sort of learned about the letter through a sort of an obscure reference online. I kind of tracked it down through different sources and discovered that this, this book existed uh, from 1853. Uh, which has all these colonial uh, letters that were written from from um, from the agents in the the colonies back to England to the king, mm -hmm. and it's it's one of those letters. Uh, this one here shows the paragraph that specifically mentions uh, Captain Andrew or Andrew Belcher. They spell it, the spelling's different. Uh, master of the ship Swan. Uh, so he was um, soon after he went to London, England, but. He was basically caught with trading with pirates with Sir William Phipps's ship. And this is right after Phipps had returned from the Concepcion wreck site, like within a week. Okay. Um, not having found very much treasure officially. Ooh. Right. And mm -hmm. and then there's this there's a suspicious trading and and uh, the use of the two ships. And then of course the the pirates um, specifically mentioned going to Port Liber, out of all the places in the world, they went to Port Liber, Nova Scotia, where they burnt their ship. So, you know, it just sounds very suspicious. And it just, when you tie that in with the other things I found, the map and the other couple of things I can't talk about, it just all really, you know, provides, you know, pretty, pretty strong evidence. Yeah. When I had, uh, Scott, when I had Dr. L. Lee Spence on, I was sort of skeptical on a ship in the swamp you know you're thinking sea levels were lower and everything else yeah he 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 absolutely changed my mind he said john there's no doubt in his mind even if there was three feet of uh, water there or the tide was coming in or whatever there's a great possibility that yes a ship could have been in there either when it was two islands or whatever don't even think of the sea levels and this is a guy who's a treasure hunter has been doing it since he's 12 years old and i gotta go where the information goes you know what i mean scott yeah yeah so my my theory doesn't really involve that i mean it's just right. sort of a sort of a side piece yeah. of information that was interesting but um so yeah i don't know if they if this is the ship that might be in the swamp or right i'm just saying i'm just saying yeah you know, exactly yeah yeah I, definitely they, they 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 uh they found some anomaly that that showed up with the uh you know, whatever they used to detect what was down there, right? So yeah, the seismic testing. Right. Yep. Ship-shaped anomaly. Yeah. So there's a couple more pictures. Uh, myself with uh, both Jack and Gary. Mm -hmm. um, as I say, uh, you know, both of them are, are hilarious to talk to in real life, and always joking around. Uh, I'd say more so than anybody else on the show. These two are probably the biggest. Uh, you know, guys that like to have fun. Does Jack get teased about his beard? <laughs> uh, not that I saw. No, all right. Yeah. Um, 
And this is my other theory. So I just threw that in as well. Just uh, this, this is the mole map. Uh, so this is the original uh, full map showing that part of um, part of the uh, North America and, and the Caribbean. And um, you can't really probably see it from here because it's probably too small, but it, I'll go to the next slide. So there at the very bottom, you have Sir William Phipps's plate rack. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I know that plate uh, refers to silver. It comes from the Spanish word plata. And uh, rack is apparently an old-fashioned term for wreck. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's right where, right off the Dominican Republic. Um, it says Ambrosius. I think they call it the Ambrosia Bank uh, in the books. Mm -hmm. So that, that is exactly where the, the wreck was found. And, and out of all the things on this map, um, that and La Plata were the only two things I could find that were unusual. And of course, I've never heard of La Plata in Nova Scotia. That's called uh, New Scotland back then. Right. Um, but it, it just, to me, shows that Mole was absolutely trying to show a connection between the two. Like the fact that he called it plate and not mm -hmm. silver, it's like Plata plate. Mm -hmm. And and those are the only two things that were new on the map. So, and and again, I know someone specifically who was part of his entourage, Phipps's entourage, who also knew the map maker Herman Mole. Okay. And would have been the one that probably said, "Oh, there's you know." So from what Mole would have known probably is that silver was uh, taken to New Scotland, and probably described the largest bay on the on the you know the eastern seaboard. Mm -hmm. um, one of the islands in that bay. So yeah. Mole had no idea that there was like 300 plus islands. Yeah. He just drew one to represent an island, right? Yeah. So, but but it, I think it's unmistakable that it it is Mahone Bay slash St. Margaret's Bay. There's no other place that could be. Um, if you look at the top of the old map, that's actually Cape Breton. They have it separate. Um, okay. So, so it does fit really, really well with the... Uh, you know, the one on the left obviously is not to scale, but it's uh, it just shows you the the difference. And when, and when I first saw the map, I thought it was actually coming out of that corner where Oak Island is. I didn't see the the small circle. When you look at the the map here, you can see the little tiny circle above the P. Yeah, I see but, it. Yeah. So I think that's what they meant to be the an island representing all the islands. Okay. And then, of course, uh, yeah, this was an older copy that I had first used. Just to show that. Yeah, so, and there's a picture of me on the, the war room steps with the guys. That was after my second second presentation. Rick's got his uh, Dr. Pepper there on the on the railing. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that was pretty cool. And then not long after, I think uh, William Shatner was standing in the same place I'm standing when he was there for his episode. So that's kind yeah. of cool. So this is a picture I took in 2009, and again in 2021, <laughs> the exact same place. Wow. The exact same place. So wow. that just shows you what's been done to the money pit. Uh... <laughs> and of course, that was all to you know to to shore up the area so they could bring these massive cranes and, and equipment, and you know otherwise things might be collapsing, right? So. Right, they had to drive them big rigs. They had to make the road wider and everything else just to get the things right. The right. Area. I hear you. So a lot of the island is is not disturbed. Like I mean, people might see this and think, oh, it's you know they've you know destroyed the uh, the natural landscape and uh. 
but it's really just a small area. It's it's just that that money pit area that's that's like this. Right. Well, and I'm sure when it's all done, they'll probably you know try to put it back as much as yep. they can as well. Marty and Rick always said they're committed to putting the island back how it was, just like what they repeated and did it on Smith's Cove. Yeah. You know, and that's what they saw on Smith's Cove, and they'll do the same thing no matter what they're doing once they're done in the area. And I trust them. Yeah, yeah me too. Yep. Yeah. I haven't talked to Marty a lot over the years, but Rick, I talked to quite a bit. He's he's a great guy. He's very sincere. Got another question from Daniel. What are your thoughts on MR Chapel saying, I don't know whether or not there's any gold or silver on Oak Island and don't care, but I'm convinced that my daddy drilled through a container of priceless documents in 1897. And that is all that interests me about Oak Island. Hmm. Yeah. Um, what a statement that is. It's interesting. Yeah. Cause I, cause you know, um, Mel Chapel obviously was not just a Mason. He was a uh, Masonic high priest. Right. Uh, he knew the significance, but obviously didn't say anything. Right. Uh, it, it's also interesting that one of the, one of the, um, the earliest and best books about Oak Island is, is a uh, Reginald V. Harris um, book, which I have a first edition signed by him. Um, he was also the grand master of, of Masons in Nova Scotia. He was also a Masonic Royal Arch high priest. And he never once mentions Masons in his book. Hmm. So, and I'm sure that was on purpose. Like he obviously knew about the connections, but back then it was much more, uh, you know, there wasn't any information anywhere. I, I remember years ago trying to find information on the Masons and I would go to a, a pawn shop or a antique store and, you know, you were lucky to find a book or something. And you're like, Ooh, you know, nowadays everything's online. Like, like every single thing is online. Um, you know, going back hundreds of years, information. Right. Now, Chapel lived on the mainland, obviously, right? Uh, yeah, I think he was from uh, Cape Breton area. Cape Breton, okay. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there definitely could be documents down there. I I, I, I agree that uh, documents could be more priceless than certain, I mean, simple simple gold and silver, right? Right. If there's a religious artifact, that's different. That's a different. That's different, uh, right. But like but, I would uh, say, if they buried something so long ago, this is my own personal opinion, and it was some kind of scripture, how did they know, say, if they did this in the early 1600s or the 1500s or the 1400s, that they know it was so valuable, I'm saying a script or something printed, that it was so valuable in a written state that they had to do it. You know, I mean, you know what I mean? How did they know at that time? so early that it would be so valuable throughout the future you know what i mean yeah it's hard but, to say depending on what it is i mean if yeah. there's the whole there's the whole thing about uh francis bacon's writings and, yeah. and you know was bacon really or sorry was was shakespeare really bacon yeah. or 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 uh you know um there's multiple characters out there and and so yeah i mean there could have been some sort of you know protecting a secret until Years later, they probably never imagined it would still be hidden this right, long right. afterwards, right? Because right. uh, I honestly, I, I know for a fact that the money pit did collapse. Um, there's there's geological evidence to show that everything just sort of fell and moved, yeah. and and that's what's made it so hard to find it since, right? It's not it's not yeah. just a straight line down. It's probably you know stuff has shifted and moved around, and and uh, yep, they got the solution channel down there about 170 feet, the solution channel. Yep. 
And also, yeah. if I'm going to bury something, I'm not going to make a pit 200 feet straight down. You know what I mean? Okay, we're going to do this treasure, and we're going to make a 200-foot straight down pit, zing, with pulleys and send everything down. To me, that makes no sense to all. I mean, I was in civil engineering. There had to be some kind of side tunnels, some kind of offset chambers, which now are all collapsed and everything else. But I'm just saying, when people think of the money pit, they think it's like a straight thing. And on the bottom of this thing, that's where the vault is. I don't think right, so. Right. And I, I've always believed, I, I told the guys, I, I've always believed the reason Oak Island was specifically chosen was because they simply, they found a sinkhole. They, they The geology, yeah. um, it was the only island in the area where they, they found a deep sinkhole. And they, they simply modified it. They, they yeah. used... They didn't need to dig 100 feet down because they already had a huge hole. They would just widen it and 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 do their thing, and then and then when they fill it back up, they they would you know did the levels, whether that was to mimic an existing Masonic mm-hmm. ritual or or whether the ritual mimicked that the Oak Island. That that's something to be right. Uh, I can't talk too much about it as well right now, but but right. Uh, but they yeah. had to go to the highest spot in the island because they would be situated with water. If they went down 30 feet or 40 feet digging anywhere else, the shaft would fill with water. So they must have saw the sinkhole, which was dry, obviously, because they didn't have no electric pumps. They're not going to be pumping out, you know, 8,000 gallons of water in the the long time, in the long years. So it had to be dry or somewhat dry for them to do this reconstruction. You know what I mean? Yep, yep, for sure. All right, Scott, go ahead. I think I'm almost done here. Not ready. Yeah, so that, yeah, I think that's my last slide. So that was just one of me uh, presenting not too long ago on the show. And uh, um, so I, I was told by the producers that I can tell people that I I, uh, I will very likely be on an episode coming up of Drilling Down. There we go. And uh, I believe that it will be on May the 3rd. Okay, guys, there's the scoop. You got it. I don't know exactly what's happening the rest of this season. I know they're they're focusing on Portugal at the moment, of course, with my friend Corian. Mm-hmm. Um, he should have some really interesting information out there. Uh, Corian and I have have done some work together. Uh, Rick Rick asked us to share our information at one point, and we uh, we had a little working together. But but Corian's now he's very lucky. He lives in Europe. He gets to go in and travel to these places that aren't too far from him. And uh, yeah. Some amazing locations out there. So, yep. Well, those pictures were fantastic, uh, Clark. Scott. Clark. Scott. <laughs> Mr. Clark. That, Mr. Clark. This is what <laughs> happens when I start getting a little on the tired side, you know? Yeah, I mean? yeah. No worries. No worries. But uh, you guys will take maybe three more questions and then we're going to button it up, Scott, because we're almost two hours into this. I says, oh my God, this is a I, long one. Yeah. I, flew by for me yeah sorry guys i've seen stuff going by and i haven't really been able to read it as i've been talking but um, this has been an outstanding show you guys i thank you so much guys it's all scott i'm just here i'm just the guy in the middle guys <laughs> you know facilitator yeah i think he's very very interesting very interesting and the beach pebble stones with marks on them in the money pit it's got me crazy. That's all. All week long, I'll be trying to look and see. And there's no pictures, obviously. There's no nothing. But just to see if somebody else saw yeah, mentioned that. It was just a mention in the in that account by uh, by McNutt. Yeah. I mean, there's been a few anomalies in, in the accounts. Like one of the one of the earliest accounts also says that when the the guys first found the the money pit, 
Yeah. It, it was in a patch of clover. Really? Clovers. And you don't hear that very often, but it, that's one of the very earliest accounts said there was clover all around. Well, we learn something new every time. Every time. I love it. I mean, this is what makes me more interested. This is what makes me keep keep on searching. This is what yeah. makes me, you know, watch the show. This this is why we have groups like this here. So everybody finds out the information and either they believe or not. Um, they got something that somebody said, saw, and seen themselves, you know. Yep. Not ready. Are there well, any other Scott, questions you want to go back to, or you're, you're I, good? I was trying to hit them in between. This way, we didn't have a long. I saw we were running a little late for you. I mean, and I said, let me try to get these questions in between. And we did pretty good, you know, when you were showing the pictures that we were uh, doing the questions in between. Otherwise, we'd be way behind. Right. I see Linda mentions, have you done your DNA or ancestry? I, okay, there you go. Okay. I know I was, I, I haven't. I was going to do that years ago. Um, I've done a lot of genealogy work. Like that was my, my big thing for a while. I, I was obsessed with genealogy. I, I took some courses and certification and, and uh, um, I have books and things from the, there's an amazing um, site in, in Truro, Nova Scotia that, that uh, details all the Colchester families. And that's where I got all the information about the Onslow members and the Truro members and, and all of that. So uh but yeah, I, I would love to do that. I would love to do the DNA as well, because just to see where that what that shows. The Scottish ancestry and that kind of thing. I hear you. Then when you have more information and can talk more freely, like I said, we, all these people would like to talk to you. And if you could, you know, take calls in next time, if you can, you know, at your leisure. Yep. And um, um, I'm not familiar with dot to dot. Dot to dot. Uh, he's a friend of mine that has a lot of uh, research and he's got a vault theory. Uh, his name is Michael Bryman. Okay. And he gets, yeah, I mean, yeah, he gets information from Nolan's maps from Zena Hepburn's map. What do you think of Zena's map? I'm not sure. I mean, I, at first it was very interesting. And then I, I heard people say that they, it was debunked. Okay. Um, I know the show keeps following it. Um, uh, just recently, uh, uh, on the map that they showed on TV, there's something called the December Triangle. Yep. But one of my friends who speaks French well said, "No, no, no, that's a mistranslation. It's actually do triangle. It's it's second triangle. Hmm. It has nothing to do with December. But the show is showing December. So, um, yeah. So I haven't I haven't really I, I've read Zena's okay. book. I have read in my yep. my collection, and uh, mm -hmm. definitely a, a great researcher. But yeah. BC wants to know when you were on Oak Island, anything crazy? Your watch starts spinning backwards or anything? <laughs> uh, not like that. I mean, I, I attended a, a seance or not a sort of seance, uh, a psychic, uh, mm -hmm. Eugenia Maser story. I think I think John showed some photos a few months back that I sent him. Uh, Eugenia did a, a nighttime talk. With okay. all these huge candles and and, and yeah, uh, okay, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So I attended that, and that was pretty pretty uh, cool. And took some photos in the dark of the the money pit area. And there was like orbs in the air, you know. And <laughs> I mean, that could have just been reflections off dust or something. But you know, other people who well, that's ghosts, you know. And hmm. So no, you know, I'm I'm open to to that kind of supernatural stuff. I I, I don't know for sure, but uh, yeah. no balls of flame, no dogs with red eyes, none of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I have something I found historically in research that it, 
that relates to that that I can't talk about as well, but uh, <laughs> okay, something to do with yeah. The team here, our team and the members are trying to plan a camping trip at Oak Island. Would you suggest a camping trip over in light on Oak Island? I don't think you can, right? It's it's uh, <laughs> no. it's private, so <laughs> we get permission. Unless you're friends with uh, yeah, with the Blankenships. Do you believe the ninety foot stone existed at all and had markings on it? I know they went to the book depository and they found that stone that looked the same and only had the letters LV on it because it was pounded because they used it for leather. Yeah. I think that's the stone they were looking at in 1909. But as far as this inscribed stone, no. What do you think, Scott? Um, I do believe a stone was found. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if they found the one or not. Um, there was there was talk that I was working with um, Paul Rakloski years ago that, mm -hmm. that he thought the stone was in Truro and could still be in Truro. Uh, in somebody's uh, part of their their uh, foundation or or uh, buried hmm. there, he had some information he found. So it's it's possible they haven't found the stone. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I believe it definitely could be um, the one that uh, was especially in the books. Especially in light of you know the the early accounts talk about the the beach stones with the characters yeah. and even trees. It even mentions trees around the money pit had strange characters carved into them. So there's there's multiple accounts of strange characters, and that that's uh, right. no shortage of them in Freemasonry. So <laughs> yeah, well, like Peter, people, but actually, yeah, like Peter, when cast members come on and the fellowship come on, they sign DNDs, DNDAs, so they only can talk about so much. Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's why towards the end of the season, he'll come back on. He can talk whatever he wants to talk about because it's already shown. So, like he yeah. said, he's going to be on May third. Uh, on drilling down, so watch them on May third. Probably, yeah. I was probably told that good it's chance. never a hundred percent set in stone, but right. but they said you can you can make it be known, but just don't tell people what the subject matter is. Right, right. So, and I saw Daniel mentioned uh, Christopher Monk. Of course, he's a big part of my research. Uh, the Duke of Albemarle. So he's a, a very big part. You know, you guys talk about all these guys' names and everything. I have no idea. So he's the one that that financed Phipps's uh, expedition. Okay, now I got you. I'm and he became enough. he became rich, and he became the governor of Jamaica, and he passed away very soon after. Mm. These stories just keep on getting wilder and wilder. <laughs> well, Scott, if you want to button it up and say your goodbyes, and then wait for me in the staging area, then I'll say my goodbyes, and uh, we'll get out of here. Yeah, I mean, thank you very much for having me, John. I I really uh enjoyed it the time flew by it felt like half an hour for me so um i definitely i've, I've always uh, enjoyed your shows and I, I look forward to coming back again okay well i thank and, you so much you're the, you're the best i thank you for doing this thank and you. um your information was important your information was precise just what i like to see in here and like i said it's for my members we put it out there and it's up for them to uh uh, decipher it themselves if they believe or not. I thank you so much. We'll be watching you on the show. Take yep, care, thank Scott. You. And thank, thank you everybody so in much. the comments as well. I appreciate it. All right. Bye bye, Scott. Bye bye, guys. What'd you think of that, guys? Oh, my lordy, 40 pebbles with markings on in the money pit. Okay, 70,900 of you. So let's get on that pebbles with markings on them in the money pit. I want to thank Scott. He was fantastic. It was a great show. 
We'll see a Tuesday pre-show at 7.15. It's going to be uh, follow the cobblestone road. I guess we're going back to Portugal. Scott did a great presentation. I thank him so much. Scott Clark, the fellowship from the Curse of Oak Island. But guys, remember, always go forward. You may get a setback, but just believe in yourself. Believe in your dreams. No matter how old you are, just keep smiling. You be kind. Because this world's getting crazier by the day, guys. For tomorrow is a never given. So you guys out there, stay strong. You stay positive, And you stay safe. Thank you for joining me and Scott tonight. We'll see a Tuesday pre-show at 7.15. The season's coming to an end very shortly. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you. Take care, and bye-bye. <laughs>